Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Children, obey your parents when they tell you to act properly. These things are so important, not just practically, not just so that way our homes function properly, but even spiritually, because a child learns their obedience to God by first learning their obedience to a parent. And I'll tell you, it's it's few and far between the kid that is more obedient to God than they were to their parent. Generally, whatever level of obedience they have to the parent, God is a little below that bar. That's usually how it goes. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. How to handle it, and they want something generally that I don't want to give them. Case in point, not long ago, I had a child of mine that wanted some bubble gum because I was not smart and I pulled out a piece of bubble gum and I started chewing it not too long before dinner and so naturally my child wanted a piece of gum as well. Well, I said, no, you, I can't give you a piece of gum. You, you haven't had dinner yet. Well, that led into a tantrum and then that tantrum continued to escalate to crying, to screaming, to continuing to want the piece of bubble gum. Now, how many of you here actually think I gave my kid a piece of bubble gum? Gave him that whole piece. Yeah. All right. Thank you that you have that much confidence in me. I didn't give them the whole piece. I only gave her a half a piece. <laughs> but, but it is difficult when it comes to uh, not allowing our children to be the leaders in our home. And so parents, we, we need to lead our kids. And I'm going to touch a little bit more of that in a moment. But children, you got to honor your parents. Honor your parents when they set you a curfew. Honor your parents when when they don't want you to hang around certain friends. Honor, Honor your parents, obey them when they give you chores around the house. Children, obey your parents when they tell you to act properly. These things are so important, not just practically, not just so that way our homes function properly, but even spiritually. Because a child learns their obedience to God by first learning their obedience to a parent. And I'll tell you, it's, it's few and far between the kid that is more obedient to God than they were to their parent. Generally, whatever level of obedience they have to the parent, God is a little below that bar. That's usually how it goes. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 6. He said, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live, along, live long on the earth. And so there's a great promise that even comes along with honoring your parents. Again, Paul is talking about divine orders here. He's talked about the husband and the wives, and it's not in any way, shape, or form meant to, for anybody to be mistreated. The same thing is true with parents and with children. There's a divine order that allows for peace to take place in a home, and there's a promise that it will go well. 
well with you if you do this. And this is important for many of you whose parents are still alive. Because that, this, this command doesn't stop when you turn 18. It doesn't stop when you turn 28, and it doesn't stop when you turn 38 or 48 or 58 or however old you are and your parents are still around. This never stops. And that's been hard for me because I, I, I had a fallen out with my mother about the time I got married, and our relationship was never really the same, has never been the same since then. It's hard to do this. It's hard to honor your parent, but to honor your parent means that you return their phone call within a day or two. To honor your parent means to take them out to lunch or breakfast every month or so. To honor your parent means to consider their advice and request instead of just blowing it off. (laughs) This is tough, and I have failed at every single one of these multiple times. We are called to honor our parents. And even when that may not be all that popular, but that's what the gospel does, not just to society, it does to our homes. And here's the third dare I have for you. Parents, take control of your home. Again, it's not just society telling us to do what the children uh, tell us to do. We, as parents, often just do what our kids want us to do. And we need to take control of our homes, Colossians 3 says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Fathers and mothers, that there's a point at which we push the child over the edge. We embitter them, we discourage them, and they begin to shut down on us. And so parents, there's a few ways that we embitter our children. Now, in this society, fathers were known to be particularly harsh. They were known to really weigh in heavily on the kids, But parents, we got to be careful that we don't embitter our children. And the one way is by being overbearing. It's by continually telling them that their best is never good enough. And to be clear here, what I'm not telling you to do is to not set high standards for your kids. Because we live in a society that's trying to make it as easy as it possibly can be to become an adult. And we need people that are raising kids up with really high standards. And so you may look at a kid, like we often do in our home, and they'll be crying because they struggle with their homework. Sometimes you just are going to shed a few tears, okay? We got to encourage them to finish those assignments. We got to encourage them to get through the work. But there's a borderline in which we cross a line and we begin to embitter them. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m., We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives, and we want Jesus to change your life as well. 
So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. What's interesting about the Apostle Paul, one biblical commentator put it this way. He feels like the Apostle Paul is writing this from his own personal experience. And he says, there is here a quivering note of personal emotion. And it seems as though the heart of the aged Paul was reverting to his past and recalling the loveless years of his own childhood. Nurtured in the austere atmosphere and traditional orthodoxy, he had experienced scant tenderness and much severity and had known the plague of a youthful, broken spirit. And so... Paul was pushed to the brink. And so as he's saying this, he probably experienced a father that often discouraged him and embittered him. And so when do you cross the line of being overbearing? Well, there's probably a few ways, but I'll tell you one. The moment you start to take it personal, you're going to cross the line. You're going to cross that line of being overbearing. I, I was just dealing with similar scenarios this just yesterday so just talk about pushing through so we had a basketball game I'm coaching this team and and this kid he just started crying in the middle of the game just started crying he traveled and then he starts crying and and this is a competitive league and I didn't have any subs so his dad's next to me I said is he crying he said he's crying I'm like he just said he's just gonna have to push through and I'm saying like he's got to push through I, you know, you got to work through that. that you know, it was, he, we're all telling him, it's okay, it's fine, it's not a big deal. We weren't coming down hard on him, but there is a point at which you're just going to have to work through some stuff. But yesterday also with one of my other kids, their finger starts bleeding. They're in a lot of pain because they keep chewing on their fingernails. And, they've done, and I've, I've at least 20 times said, stop chewing your fingernails. So they chew the nail back past where it becomes very sensitive from where the nerves are. And then it starts bleeding. And so they're crying. And I'm, I'm like, are you serious? Why are you doing? And why did you do this? Why did I have to take it personal? That's what I'm getting at. That's when you cross that line. And then I have to make up for it and I have to apologize. And, and I, I rectify and I rein it back in. But I knew in that moment I crossed the line. We need to challenge our kids. We need to push our grandkids. But we got to be careful that we don't ever take it personal. That's going to push them over the brink. Here's the other way that we embitter our children. It's by being passive. It's, it's allowing them just to live a life. I don't want to make their decisions for them. I don't want to force them to do something. I, I don't want to make them um, go to church. I don't want to make them go to church. You know what? You live in a world that makes you do things. If you don't pay your electric bill, they're going to turn your electric off. They are going to make you do. If you don't do your job, you will get fired. The world around us makes you do. Their kids need to be made to do certain things. We can't just totally pull back and check out on a kid's life. Because often what happens isn't good. For example, I watched one of my children sort out a sort, uh, shape sorter. And, and I just watched her as I was stepping back. And I said, I'm going to see how this goes. I'm going to let her learn this lesson herself. She takes the square and she tries to put it into the circle hole. The square piece and the circle hole. Well, guess what? It doesn't fit. Well, she's not figuring it out. So she, you know what that escalates into? Tears. And then screaming. 
And then she dumps out that toy. But it doesn't ever stop there. Then she goes to the next toy. And she grabs a bin full of toys, actually, and she dumps all of them out and she's crying even more. And then she goes and grabs another bin and dumps them out and crying even more. Well, at that point, I realized, wait, maybe being checked out isn't the right approach on this. So I step in and we pick up the toys and we put them back in the bin, put them all up, and then we go back to the shape sorter and I begin to guide her and direct her. I don't want to do it for her, but I give her a lot of direction and guidance And guess what? There wasn't screaming. There wasn't tears. There wasn't all this other damage taking place. Our kids need guidance. They need your guardrails in their life. They need it desperately. And I'm speaking as the guy who didn't have any of that. And I I didn't have my mom or dad or anybody telling me how to live my life. And so guess what that means? Then I have to go along and make a lot of bad decisions, suffer the consequences, hopefully nothing catastrophic, which fortunately never happened. But I would look, but I look back on all that and I think, wow, it would have been nice if somebody would have just said, don't do this. You know, don't, don't, don't begin to have a girlfriend at eight years old. That's not a good thing. I wish I would have, because then here's what happens. That's the only way I knew how to relate to a girl. And then I get married and my wife is saying, hey, I want you to be my friend. I'm like, friend, what's that? How do you be friends? I didn't know how to be a friend. I had to learn all of that over the last decade of marriage and I'm still learning how to do it. But I've had two conversations with people, one a Christian, one non-Christian. And it's pretty, in my opinion, concerning what they've said to me. Uh, They're referring to seven and eight-year-olds. And this is what they said to me as it relates to dating specifically. They they had slight reservation about having their, their boys having a girlfriend. They're like, well, we're not sure. But here's what both of them said. But it's so natural. It's just natural. I thought, man, my seven-year-old does a lot of natural things that I never want them to repeat. Like, I do not want them to do that. They should not do things. No, that's a terrible, that's terrible. You should not let a little kid like that have a boyfriend and girlfriend. You just shouldn't. And I know I'm just kind of, I'm speaking out and maybe in a very personal way to you, but it's just not a wise thing. They need to learn how to have a friend with somebody of the opposite sex. And then there comes a point at which you just got to let them go and let them have those boyfriends and girlfriends. But it shouldn't be happening that young. And it's natural is ridiculous. We are broken, sinful people, and we will lean into things that, while natural, are not good. And so we got to resist the temptation to give in to passive parenting. He that spares the rod hates his son, as Proverbs 13 says. And in no way am I saying you got to beat your kid with a rod. That's not at all what we're getting at here. The point is guidance and discipline, not to pay them back. It's to get them back on the right track, which is what God does in every single one of our lives, and that's how he displays his love for us. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several 
several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. The fourth dare that I have for you is to work for God, not for people. Now, where do we get this from? Well, in this society, slavery was very common. It's, some have speculated as much as a third of the Roman Empire was in some form, had some form of slavery a part of their life. Now, generally, it wasn't for their entire life, and it wasn't the harsh conditions of 18th century American slavery. But it was slavery nonetheless. So Paul doesn't come out outright and just say, hey, this is wrong. What he does is he takes the gospel again and he infuses it into the system that was at play here. And he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. Live your life and do the work that you are doing Not to get approval from man, but to get approval from God. Whatever you do, work it out with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. And so the lesson that we learn there from this particular passage is that our focus is meant to be, again, on God and not on others. And I want to apply that to our workplaces. Because many of you have employees. Many of you are an employee of somebody else, and you need to work as you're working for the Lord and not uh, not for man. And if you are a Christian, you should be the best worker in your work environment. Uh, Several years ago, it was a different church. I was in the process of hiring a children's minister. So while we were trying to find a children's minister to work for us, um, we contracted some people in three, six-month contracts just to come in and help uh, fill in some of the gaps until we could hire somebody. So we hired this girl to work in our nursery in early childhood, and she was just going to help get us by again for a little bit, for a short period of time. And she was amazing. She was always on time. She responded to emails and text messages. She uh, was great with the parents. She was good with the kids. She was even nice to other volunteers that filled in with her. She was incredible. But about two months in, we find out she wasn't a Christian. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so we're a church, and now we're hiring people that don't even believe what we believe, what's going on. It's just these, these, you make a mistake. But she was great. And then I had, and then we, we were trying to solve the situation, so we went out and we found a girl who was a Christian. And as we found the girl that was a Christian, um, we, we went in and hired her, we brought her in to fill in. And it was an, after, an hour after the first service or the first weekend that she worked for us. Within an hour, I started getting complaints about her. And she was the Christian. She wasn't nice to the parents. 
She was on her phone half the time. She didn't engage the kids all that well. The room wasn't cleaned up properly. And so I got the non-Christian who's the great employee. I got the Christian who's the terrible employee. And that's a problem. That's what happens when we're working for man. That's what happens whenever there isn't a standard in somebody's life. And we're not working for God. And so Paul goes on, in light of all that we have just said here about marriage, about parenting, about working for God and not for man, here's what he says to us. He says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, in light of everything that we have just heard, there is a promise, even though it goes against society, even, it goes, even though it goes against the culture you're a part of, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong, and there is no favoritism. And in the same way that you get repaid for the bad, you'll be repaid in the next life for the good as well, that there is an inheritance for the Lord as you are serving him. Several years ago, actually at the turn of the century, there was a missionary couple. I read about them just this past week. They spent 50 years in Africa. And, they, and they're coming back from Africa on a ship that just so happened to also have Teddy Roosevelt on the same ship. And so as they're beginning to come into the harbor, they see that he has a presidential welcome waiting for him. Thousands of people are there. There are dignitaries and there is the press and there, are, uh, uh, there is uh, instruments and people are playing songs. This is wonderful occasion for the president as he's coming back from his big hunt that he had in Africa. And the man, the missionary, he would comment on this experience as they came into the harbor. He said, he said it was a little frustrating. We spent our entire lives serving other people, trying to save souls in Africa. And we come home to no one, to nothing. They're waiting on us. Whereas when the president comes home from a hunting trip in Africa, he has this huge reception there, cheering him on as the ship comes in. And that, that missionary, he would comment and he would say, as he sorted this out over the course of the next day in his home, he said it was as if the Lord impressed this truth onto his heart as he was dealing with this inside of him. And the Lord told him, yes, you didn't get a great reception when you came home from Africa. But that's okay, because you aren't home yet. And there is going to be a great reception. There is going to be a huge reward for you for being so faithful to me one day when you really get home. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why it's worth it. In this life, yes, you're not, going to, you're not going to get the great reception to maybe aligning your life with God and not with the way the society goes. Yes, you may not get the reward that you're hoping, but one day God has promised to never leave us hanging, even though, even though the world looks at us and may think, you're crazy for living that way, for behaving that way, for putting those rules in place, for loving your husband or loving your wife in that manner. You're crazy for that. And all that we gotta say is like, I know my reward isn't here, but one day I have a reward in heaven and one day there's gonna be a reception when I get there that's gonna be beyond anything that I have ever seen. And that promise is there for everyone who is called on the name of Jesus. And it, 
this time of communion that we're going to enter into, we reflect on that. We remember that, that he paid it all for us. And in light of the fact that he paid, paid it all for us, we have a hope that goes beyond this life. We have a reward that is more than we could ever imagine. And it's all because of the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. And so we want to invite you into this time of communion in which you remember that sacrifice. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Not because of what he wanted from you. It's because he wanted what he wanted for you. If you didn't receive that communion, just raise your hand. Our host will be happy to give that to you. Um, We want to make sure that everyone gets to celebrate in this time of communion who is called on the name of Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer and our team will continue to lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what you've what you've done for us in Jesus. Lord, so much of what we said is counterculture. So much of your word that you have given us doesn't even necessarily align with what we would like to be the path that you would have for us. But Father, help us all to submit to you, Lord, and submit to the path and the direction that you would have for us. In the name of Jesus. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.